And then the queen invited the dragon to come live with her in her ivory castle. The two friends spent the rest of their lives together playing backgammon and drinking jasmine tea. The end. All right, kiddo, time for you to get some sleep. Good night. Mommy loves you. Try not to pay attention to the voices under your bed. Hello there. Don't be scared. You know me. I'm the raconteur who lives under the bed. Since you were a baby swaddled in your crib, I've been slipping out with evening shadows to infuse your dreams with pleasant miseries, and it appears to be that time again. So, let's see. Which awful anecdote to relay tonight? Let me think. Have I ever told you about a little girl named Melody Mendelssohn and her corpse flower? It's a really good story. And it's 100% true, I swear. Do you know what a corpse flower is? <laughs> Let me tell you. It's a very rare type of flower that only blooms once every seven years. But when it does bloom, it smells bad. I mean, really bad. Like rotten meat or a dead body. Hence the name corpse flower. The reason it reeks of decay is that it's pollinated by vermin, scavenger flies, and dung beetles. Some varieties of corpse flower will close its petals around its pollinator, holding the distraught insect tight inside itself until it feels like letting go. Anyway, Melody didn't have that kind of corpse flower. She had a different kind. The kind that, well, I'll get to that. Let's see, where to start? How about here? Melody lived with her mother, Ms. Mendelssohn, and their cat, Marbles, in the sweetest little cottage out on the edge of town. The color of lemon cake with storybook shutters and a wood shingled roof. Very pretty house. Very pretty garden outside the house. Lots of flowers. Ms. Mendelssohn had a thing for flowers. She planted lilacs and lilies, roses, tulips, pansies, and daffodils. There were gardenias and daisies and a fair share of forget-me-nots. There might even have been a hydrangea or two mixed in there somewhere in the back. My point is, there were a lot of blossoms to color Melody's days in the cottage. Is it any wonder that Melody would grow to share her mother's fascination with the determined little things that grow so miraculously from the dirt? When Ms. Mendelssohn thought the time was right, she cleared away a small patch of ground in the back corner of the yard and tilled it with fresh soil. 
This was to be Melody's flower bed to do with as she chose. She could plant whatever she wanted, and she could plant it wherever she wanted in her garden. But whatever she planted, she had to care for. They were hers to thrive or wilt depending on her actions. Melody was... The word excited doesn't quite do the job in this case. Her reaction could more accurately be described as falling somewhere between jubilant and rhapsodic. She was given five dollars to pick out whatever she wanted and her eyes danced across the kaleidoscopic explosion of blooms featured on all the little packets lined up on the rows of seed shelves. Most of them cost about a quarter, but the fancier option could run you up to 75 cents. But Melody's eyes, they landed on a brown envelope, the same material as a paper bag, sitting all by itself. There was no photograph on its cover. There were no words. There was just the price, scrawled across its front in magic marker. Three dollars. Melody was intrigued. She knew that three dollars could buy her a lot of pansies and a pretty fair share of lilies. But any flower that cost that had to be pretty fantastic. She lifted the envelope from the shelf and found that it was not sealed shut. She could pull its top open and look inside. And what was inside was one solitary seed, but a big one. Maybe it wasn't even a seed. Maybe it was something else. It looks sort of like a slimy walnut or the rock that got left behind when you finished eating a peach. Except this didn't smell like a peach. It smelled like rot, like something dead. When Melody pulled her nose away from the envelope to suck in some clean air, she did it with a massive smile stretched across her face. She'd found her flower. Ms. Mendelssohn was less impressed. She didn't recognize the seed, and she certainly didn't care for its stench. The provenance of its packaging didn't instill much confidence either. Even the lady behind the counter seemed hard-pressed to explain the envelope's origin. She'd never seen it before. I don't think you should buy this one, Miss Mendelssohn told her daughter. I don't have a good feeling about it. But Melody would not be dissuaded. This is the flower I want, she said firmly. And so, with a sigh, Miss Mendelssohn gathered up another two dollars worth of normal seeds and handed the clerk a five dollar bill. Melody kept her new seed clutched tight to her chest for the entire walk home.
Melody planted her special slimy walnut-shaped seed right in the center of her flower bed. The other seeds got tossed around the edges as a series of afterthoughts. First thing every morning, and last thing before she went inside for supper, she'd drag the garden hose out to her tiny little chunk of the yard and douse the ground with artificial rain, just as her mother instructed. Afternoons, she plucked unwanted weeds from the ground, just as her mother instructed. Every third day, she'd go to the garage and pull down the glass jar that her mother kept filled with plant fertilizer, just as her mother instructed. One afternoon, while her mind was occupied with other things, she accidentally grabbed a bucket of rock salt instead of fertilizer. The two containers of coarse white gravel looked similar enough, but they were not the same. The fertilizer, when sprinkled generously over the soil, would seep into any vegetation beneath and help it grow up big and strong. The rock salt, on the other hand, Plants can't live in soil with too much salt, her mother had warned her on a number of occasions. And now, here she was carrying that bucket of salt all the way to her flower bed. She was about to start scooping it over when she noticed something peeping up from beneath the dirt. A sprout. Her seed was beginning to flourish. Well, Melody was so excited that she dropped that bucketful of plant poison and ran inside to get her mother. After a few moments admiring the tiny green finger pointing up from the soil, Ms. Mendelssohn took notice of the bucket. How'd my rock salt get all the way out here? she asked. Melody's wide eyes dampened with tears as she came to realize her mistake the terrible gravity of what she had almost done. Had she poured what she thought was fertilizer over her garden, that would have been it for her mystery flower. Still born in the cold, cold ground. Well, that was the moment when Melody resolved to see her flower grow to its full height, no matter what. Millimeter by millimeter, Melody's flower began to grow. Most times, her mother could find her and the cat hunkered down in the grass before the plant. Marbles would purr contentedly beneath the slow strokes of Melody's hand, but Melody's eyes stayed fixed on the not-so-tiny-anymore stalk rising up from the dirt. The other flowers were growing too, but at a much slower rate. Their thin, pale shoots looked insignificant next to the mystery flower's stout and hardy stem. Melody continued to care for the plant, and the plant continued to grow. In time, a flower bud appeared at the top of its long stalk. Melody sat cross-legged on the lawn, 
marbles upon her lap. The cat's eyes were also fixed upon the bud, seemingly willing it to bloom. The cat's interest in the plant had increased a good deal since it began exuding aromatic fumes. As you can probably guess, its perfume was not a pleasant one. You probably wouldn't even call it a perfume. It was much more of a stink. Like the corpse flower into which it was fated to grow, it smelled like rot. Melody worried at first, fearing that her representative of the vegetable kingdom might be dying from the inside out. But it kept growing, which would have been an odd thing for a dying plant to do, and that soothed her nerves. And then one morning, it happened. She rose from her bed, threw on her shorts and sneakers, and ran out back to water her plant. And there it was, her flower, in all its peculiar glory. Truth be told, it wasn't much to look at. Just five cream-colored petals dangling lazily from the colorless central pistil, all connected to a big, thick, leafless stalk. It wouldn't be winning any prizes at this summer's Blossom Festival, that was for sure. But it didn't look like any other flower in her flower bed or in the entirety of her mother's backyard garden. It did not share their brilliant hues or cheerful bursting shapes. This flower was not pretty in any conventional sense, but it was interesting. And for that, Melody loved it with all her heart. The flower, for what it's worth, did not grow any prettier as it grew larger, and it got quite a bit larger, and quite a bit less pretty. Oh, and there was the issue of its smell. Is your flower okay? Ms. Mendelssohn asked over breakfast one morning. It's better than okay, Melody shot back. It's fantastic. It's just... Ms. Mendelssohn paused, unsure of quite how to put this next bit. The neighbors are asking about the smell. What about the smell? Melody asked. Ms. Mendelssohn exhaled. <sighs> They're wondering if maybe the cat died. Melody had to admit that the flower's stench was becoming a bit tough to stomach. Stepping into the air directly around it was like walking into a punch in the face. It was intense, and the sickly aroma was attracting the strangest of creatures. Flies and beetles and other kinds of bugs had been coming around since it first started to bloom. She'd gotten used to that. Several times when she came out to water it, she was forced to shoo off curious raccoons. And there were rats and lizards and possums. One evening, before bed, she looked out her back window to find a pair of full-sized vultures perched before her garden, staring the plant down. 
Those two were particularly disinclined to leave. Up to this point, the most interesting aspect of the flower, well, aside from the smell, obviously, was how much it didn't look like anything that Melody or her mother had ever seen. But that was about to change. It was about to start looking very much like something they saw every day. Its already thick stalk grew to about four or five inches in width at its base, ten inches circumference. Tapering to about half that size, a foot or so up where it connected to the bud, roughly human forearm-sized, and its petals, its long and drooping petals curled in around themselves to form five cylinders of varying lengths, about the size and shape of human fingers. And they all dangled from one side of its wide, flat, sort of human palm-shaped pistol at its center. Let's just cut to the chase. It was starting to look like a human arm. Like a human arm sticking up out of the ground. Like somebody had dragged a dead body into their yard in the middle of the night and done a really bad job at hiding it. I don't like it, Ms. Mendelssohn told her daughter. But Melody liked it. Melody loved it. She thought it was beautiful. She didn't care that it looked like an arm or that it smelled like a dead arm or that animals and bugs were becoming increasingly obsessed with it. That was part of the flower's charm as far as Melody was concerned. Also, she liked how, when the wind blew just right, its fingers seemed to wiggle. Something she didn't like nearly so much about the flower was the detrimental effect it seemed to have on the other plants in the bed. All of the more normal flowers that were growing up just beside it started to wither first. Then once they were dead, the ones beside them started to go. The death crept outward in an expanding circle with Melody's special flower flourishing at its center. Another thing she didn't like so much was the sound. Due to some sort of a trick of the wind, when the night air flowed through its petals, it had a tendency to moan, or at least produce a sound like that, a low, grousing lament, like something might be ill at ease beneath the soil. Melody could hear it clearly through her bedroom window as she lay snuggled beneath her bedsheets. It never happened in the daytime, only at night. Only at night. Something about the evening breeze, the same breeze that carried its stench to her bed. 
In moments like that, Melody loved her flower a little bit less. In time, the circle of death swallowed up all of Melody's flowers. Not her special one, mind you. That was doing fine, thriving even. Looking less and less like a plant, and more and more some abandoned cadaverous arm with each new morning. And then came the morning that its blight first reached its way into her mother's flowers. That was when things had finally gone too far. Or that was around the time that things began to go too far. But we're getting there. You have to dig up that plant, Ms. Mendelssohn told her daughter. Just look, look at what it's doing to my begonias. She motioned toward a thicket of withered stems and leaves that had not long ago been vibrant blossoms. But Melody refused. She wouldn't do it. She flat out told her mother no. It's my flower, she said. It's my baby. She pushed the cat out of the way to get to the flower and roped her arms around it, protecting it. Her mother stood there silently for a minute or so. Longer than Melody would have liked, the stench was unbearable. And then, finally, Ms. Mendelssohn exhaled a sigh of surrender. <sighs> and she turned around, and she walked back into the house. Melody collapsed away from the flower and inhaled a deep breath of unpolluted air while the cat returned to its incessant floral obsessing. And then things officially went too far, even for Melody. It began normally enough, with the flower that looked like a dead man's arm moaning into the night breeze while Melody lay drifting off to sleep in her bed. But then there was another noise, not a terribly uncommon one either, but taken together, they made Melody's blood run cold. It was Marbles, the cat. Or at least it sounded like her. That high-pitched yowl she'd unleash on occasions when other cats venture into the yard looking for a fight. But this was just her. Just the one feline caterwaul set against the low, unsettling moan of the flower. The cat howled and shrieked louder than Melody had ever heard. And then she stopped. No more noises from the cat. The flower, though, it just kept right on moaning. But maybe, somehow, a little less sadly.
Next morning, Marbles was nowhere to be found. Not nosing around the kitchen for her breakfast kibble. Not lazing beneath a sunbeam in the laundry room. Not even the motorized whir of the can opener was able to bring the cat running. With the memory of the cat's distressed yowl from the night before churning in her mind, Melody searched the yard for marbles. Worried that she might be badly hurt and hiding beneath the cover of garden foliage. But she wasn't anywhere so far as Melody could tell. Her flower, though, sat right where it always did, looking healthier than ever. It was a dry morning, but the soil around the plant was damp. It left a crimson residue on Melody's fingers. What Melody didn't do was tell her mother about the wet, red soil. So many reasonable explanations for that. Not that Melody could think of any of them, but there must have been, right? What she did do was trudge around the neighborhood with her mother, calling out the name of a cat that would never come. And the whole time with the sound of that feline scream repeating itself in her mind. That evening, while Melody and her mother sat side by side at the kitchen table, preparing flyers to staple up around the neighborhood the next day, Lost Cat, Gray, answers to marbles. There came a scratching at the back door. It was so quiet, so tentative, they didn't even notice at first. But it was persistent, and eventually Ms. Mendelssohn looked up from her work. What's that? She asked of no one in particular. What's what? Melody asked back. That sound. Ms. Mendelssohn held up a finger and scanned the room with her ears. It's the back door. And then her face exploded with happiness. It's Marbles! She's come home! Melody felt her stomach tighten into a fist as she watched her mother dart across the kitchen to the back door where the scratching now seemed so much louder. She watched her mother unlatch the bolt and bring her hand down to the knob. But before her mother could turn it, Melody heard her own voice shouting, Don't! Now, you and I both know what was behind that door. Maybe not exactly. I have a much better idea than you, because I've told this story before. But we both know that it wasn't a cat, right? Melody was pretty far along to that conclusion as well. Not Ms. Mendelssohn, though. Given the paltry supply of information with which she was working, a homesick and hungry cat was the most reasonable explanation for the scratching. So she was genuinely bewildered to find her daughter pleading with her to keep the door shut. That's what she did, though. She kept it shut for her daughter. 
And after a minute or so, the scratching stopped. Just the blowing of the wind. When they did open the door, they found soil strewn across the back porch and a patch of dirty scratch marks on the door. Marbles never did show up. Not later that night, and not the next day. Ms. Mendelssohn was uncharacteristically quiet all through breakfast, roiled at the possibility that they'd lost her one chance at getting their cat back. Melody was also perturbed, but for slightly different reasons. She was upset about the cat, sure, but she was preparing for the possible loss of something else she loved. At some point during the previous night, while not sleeping in her bed, she'd made the decision to dig up her flower. If she could somehow manage to move it to a pot without killing it, then maybe she could bring it inside. And then she could keep a tighter watch on it. She grabbed a spare flower pot from the garage and pulled a gardening trowel down from the wall. She walked out back to her flower bed. With the exception of the arm-looking plant at its center, all within it was dry and gray. Not even the weeds could survive the creeping death that had by this point eaten its way a fair way into her mother's flowers. And the grass before it was starting to go, too. Melody knelt down over the foul-smelling flower and began digging around the sides of its trunk. It went down farther into the ground than she'd expected. She got about six inches down, and there was still no roots. Just more stem, thick and solid. So she kept digging, prodding around for the underside of the plant. What she hit instead was something hard and knobby. She dug her fingers in to get a better feel. And what it felt a whole lot like was an elbow. Before she could make any sense of that observation, the flower's finger-like petals closed around a clump of her hair. She tried backing away, but the flower had tightened itself into a fist, clutching her hair tight. She felt herself being pulled face forward into the soil. It took all her strength, but she did eventually manage to tear her head away. Long tendrils of what had just moments earlier been her hair dangled from the flower's grip and fluttered softly in the breeze. It was the flower's hair now. The sky above her yard faded from violet to indigo and finally to black and Melody still had no idea what she was going to do about the flower. 
She just knew that she was going to do something. She had to. Who knew what the flower was capable of given another night on its own? When the moaning started up again, Melody knew that she'd run out of time to think. And that's when an idea popped into her head. She heard her mother's voice warning her. Plants can't live in soil with too much salt. Could that be the solution? Could it be that simple? She snuck downstairs through the kitchen and out the back door toward the garage where she found her mother's bucket of rock salt in its usual place on the shelf. She took a deep breath, turned toward the garden, and marched straight back to her flower. Her flower. The one that she had nurtured from a slimy walnut-shaped seed into the strange limp hand that stood there now in the darkened flower bed. If only there was some other way. She lifted the bucket of salt and tilted it toward the hole. No more than 12 or 13 grains had fallen into the hole before Melody's hand was stayed by a sound from somewhere in the yard. Was it a moan? It wasn't quite a moan, but it was definitely like a moan, unless it maybe wasn't. She saw nothing lurking in the shadows around her, just shades of darkness. The moaning sound, had it ever really been there, it was gone. Once her nerves were sufficiently calmed, she turned back to the flower. And she found it reaching for her. Groping, grasping, grappling desperately for its mother. Melody stepped back, but it already had her by the ankle, and she fell over backwards into the damp grass. She tried to pull free, but the flower's vice-like grip would not budge. With her other leg, she kicked at it, but now there was a second hand pushing itself up from the soil. This one closed around her calf, and then together they were pulling her in. A head emerged from the dirt, like a man's head, but not quite. Its features were obscured by grime and shadow, but Melody could make out a mouth opening wide to let out a wailing moan. Half asleep in her own bed, Ms. Mendelssohn heard that wailing moan, and she also heard a brief shriek of terror. But then it stopped, as did the moaning. The night was once again silent, and Ms. Mendelssohn drifted off to sleep. Melody never came down for breakfast the next morning. Ms. Mendelssohn went upstairs to check on her and discovered her bed unmade but empty. Melody wasn't in the bathroom, 
She wasn't downstairs. She wasn't even in the basement. Ms. Mendelssohn went to the garden, but did not find her daughter there either. What she did find, however, lazing on the grass before Melody's hand-shaped flower, was Marbles, the cat, alive and perfectly healthy, but covered head to toe in some sort of putrid sludge. Stuck into that sludge were about a dozen or so little slimy walnut-looking things. Just like the seed that Melody had so happily brought home from the gardening shop back when this whole flower episode was just getting started. Melody did not return that day, nor the next one. In fact, she hasn't been seen since. Ms. Mendelssohn, though, didn't bother with missing person flyers. She knew they'd be no use. Instead, she's been spending her time keeping the plant healthy. Plenty of water, just the right amount of fertilizer, no salt, and waiting for the day that the corpse flower decides to let her daughter go. Anyway, that's all for now. But don't worry. I'll be back again soon enough with more unsettling tales to tell. Now, try to get some sleep. And, oh, don't forget to dream. You have been listening to the Under the Bed podcast. This episode, The Corpse Flower, was performed by Michael J. Ewing, with a special guest appearance by Amanda Schoonover. Written, produced, and scored by Dennis DiClaudio.